But I wanted to start this morning, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about, um, about the, how the greatest demonstration of love th- that we have ever known, that the history of mankind has ever known, is changing your life. Um, I, I want to I talk to you about how God's love for you is such a powerful force that once you've received it, that it changes the way you start to see people. It changes the way you start to treat people. And that if you've received God's love through his salvation, that you can't help but grow in love for other people. Amen? These things are true. Amen? This is true. So with no further ado, let's jump into the scriptures this morning. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through 19. It's a lengthy passage. Um, I'm going to try to get through it quickly uh, because there are several points here that I want to make that's so important about... about, uh, you know, how, how is it that we love people better? How, do we, how, how can we grow in our love for each other? When I find my love is inadequate, what do I do? You know, those kinds of questions. So let's, uh, let's jump in here to uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us, show, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do has for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love we love because he first loved us lord may you bless the reading of your word this morning i wanted to i wanted to start out in a with this um, sermon series on on understanding better and us better experiencing the love of god because quite frankly if, if I send you out and I just tell you, love your husband or your wife better, love your neighbor as yourself better, and you just try to, by your own unction and by your own imperfect love, you go try to do that, you're going to come back to me and say, man, ain't nothing has changed in my house. Nothing has changed in my heart. I'm not any better at this than when I started, right? Um, let me tell you, um, I, had a, I, had a, I had years of experience in, in failing to love Brenda well. Brenda and I went through a time um, of about three years where we were, we were um, our, our marriage was, you know, Jimmy Evans' book, Love on the Rocks, right? 
Um, it was actually love on the rock, but anyway, I'm kind of kidding. There. Um, our marriage was on the rocks. It was, we were in trouble. Um, we joke, and it's, it really was, we can joke about it now. We couldn't joke about it then, but I, we, I, I say this about how poorly we were communicating and how poorly we were getting along. I couldn't say good morning to Brenda without her saying, what do you mean by that? You know, it, it, things were bad, and I didn't know how, things were bad, how bad things were until our good friend Sherilyn Robinson went one time, I was talking about marriage and I was trying to tell people how bad things were in our marriage and, and Sherilyn said, listen, many of you haven't known David and Brenda very long and you didn't know them d- during this time and she said, their marriage was bad. Yeah, so anyway, thank you Sherilyn for helping me remember how very bad our marriage was. It was bad. We were in trouble. We couldn't talk to each other. Resentment had grown into bitterness and unforgiveness in our marriage. We didn't know how to, how to get along. We had, we, had, we had this just big ball of hurt and disappointment and anger and resentment with each other, and we didn't know what to do with it. Our, our good friends and, and pastor at the time, uh, Dennis and his wife Susan Noblet, walked through us in marriage counseling. I, I like to brag that Brent and I have been, were in marriage counseling longer than anyone else that I've known. Um, we've counseled with them for about a year, and in that time the Lord began to unwind and un, 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 undo this huge ball of disappointment, confusion, hurt, um, over that time, and listen to me, the Lord redeemed our marriage. It wasn't anything that we found or discovered or wised up to do on our own. We kept trying to do it on our own over and over again, and we kept failing over and over again. And it is this problem, it is this problem, that I had not experienced enough of God's life in me, the life of the Holy Spirit in me, for Him to transform my love into His love for Brenda instead of mine that was inadequate. Are you with me? Is that, do you follow? I kept trying to love Brenda with the imperfect, selfish, self-centered love of David Crump. Well, surprisingly enough, it didn't work. I, I needed more of the life of God, more of the Spirit indwelling me, me more experiencing the, the forgiveness and the patience and the mercy of God so that I could show Brenda the mercy and patience and and, uh, and forgiveness of, of, uh, of God's love. I needed God's love in me, not the broken love I had. Amen? So I, I, we, have to, we have to spend time. If, we're gonna, if you're going to love your wife better, if you're going to love your children better, if you're going to love neighbor better, you've got to spend time with the, with the Word of God, understanding how God has loved you better than you're ever going to love anybody else. You've got to have experience if it, you're going to show it. You've got to experience unconditional, initiating love. You've got to experience a a love that loves you unconditionally. It says, no matter what you do, I'm going to love you through it. That is how God has loved us. Amen. God pursued you when you were far away from Him, when when you and I were lost sheep that had wandered away from the fold in rebellion and and, 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 in utter uh, unconcern about who God was and what He wanted it for us in our our lives. God loved us through that and He loved us through our rebellion and He loved us through our turning away from Him and He loved us all the more and He pursued you and He initiated love for you for you to return to Him by sending His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the cross that you may be reconciled to him and he did it all for you amen this initiating love of god is the kind of love husband and wife that we've got to have for each other okay we got to get to the text all right here we go 
So we got to spend time in, in, in reading and in, in being in the Scriptures and understanding, right? Not just being frustrated with your spouse all the time. you got to spend time yourself allowing God to shape your life and to shape your love for your spouse. So here we go. Let's spend some time in the Word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So let's talk about this. So he said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. There is... The, 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 I know you read the scriptures. I know you've heard these verses a lot. The profoundness of what this, these words say, I pray that it would strike you all brand new today. Love is from God. There's maybe no more profound words written in all of scriptures. God is by nature loving. Amen? You can't read, you know, I, every time I think about the love of God, I go back to thinking about the book of Hosea where God calls Hosea and he says, go and marry this unfaithful woman. So he goes and he marries an unfaithful woman. And what does the unfaithful woman do? She is unfaithful to Hosea, right? And, and then he's, he says, now, now after she's been unfaithful, go and show your love to her again, right? God says, this is how I have been with you, Israel. You've been like an unfaithful wife to me. But I, even though you've humiliated me, I've shown my love to you again. I've come back to you. I've come to you to reconcile you instead when you should have come to me to be reconciled, right? He says, this is the kind of love. That is the unconditional, stubborn, loyal, faithful, covenant love of God for us. He loved you and I when we didn't deserve his love. He loves you and I when you and I do not deserve his love. He pledged his love for us on the cross. Amen. He demonstrated. So, so where does love come from? If I'm going to love my wife better, where does that love have to come from? Well, I've already told you, my love is broken. It's incomplete. It's inadequate. I can't love Brenda enough. I can't, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, says love is kind and love is, does not, is not resentful. Well, I found my love was unkind and resentful, at, right? I, wasn't, I didn't have a 1 Corinthians chapter 13 kind of love for Brenda. My heart had to be changed. God had to transform me. And it took his love and his life in me through his Holy Spirit to change me, to love Brenda in a way that uh, was unconditional, that was an initiating kind of love, that, well, love. A love that didn't say, well, I'll love you well when you love me well. That's not a godly love. But that's how most of us are in our marriages. I want to receive unconditional love for God, but I only want to love you as far, so far as you love me. Listen, that's a trap. It doesn't work. It's a setup. You're setting your spouse up for failure that way. Let's continue. So, so the first thing is love originated from God. If you want to love better, you've got to have, be in relationship with God. You've got to be growing with Him. Let's, look what he says. That he talks about evidence that, uh, that there's loving is evidence of a couple of things. He says, let us love one another. And then he talks about us for love is from God. And whoever loves has two things, has been born of God and knows God. Two things there. Born of God and knows God. Born of God is, is this, these words, born of God, is talking about our new birth. As we, as when you become a Christian, you become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you are regenerated. It's like Jesus had told to the, to the Pharisee, you must be born again. It is a new birth. It is a, you become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, right? Paul declares gloriously in 2 Corinthians 5. Um, but we, are, we have been born of God. In other words, we are different than we were before. We're not just the sinful self that we have. Now, get this, we're the sinful self, but God has moved in. Amen? 
God has moved in and He's created something new in us. Our spirits were dead and He's made us alive forever in Christ. Whoever loves has been born of God and too knows God. Notice what it says. It doesn't say knows about God. This is a, this is a know that's that, that biblical kind of knowledge that talks about the intimacy with God. Someone who loves other people well, if you look at someone, if you see someone who loves someone well, you, can, you know this in their life. They've been born again. The second thing, someone else who loves other people well. I'm not saying that non-Christians can't love other people well. Matter of fact, let's just say it, church. Sometimes non-Christians love better than Christians do sometimes. Is that not true? God help us. It happens. But someone who's been transformed, someone who's, whose lives have been transformed, somewhere the, where the Holy Spirit is, is indwelling and changing and transforming their hearts and, 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 and they're crucifying the old self and, and that old selfishness and they're growing in, in, the, in the life of God as the Spirit indwells them and being in the Word and experiencing and meditating on what all it means in their lives, that person has been born of God. Not only that, they know God. They are, let me put it in a present tense, of, as, if I can, a progressive tense. They are knowing God. They're knowing God intimately. They're growing in their relationship with God, and you can see it on, their outs- on the outside because they're loving people well. See, love is evidence for us that we've been born again, that we've, we're regenerated, that we are true believers. When we love people well, when we love our spouses well, when we love our families well, when we love our neighbors well, when we love, listen, our enemies well, it is, it is evidence that we've been born of God, born again, and that we really, truly know God. Let's continue. So moving on, I, let, me, let me share this slide with you. This is, from, um, this is from John Piper in a sermon, The New Birth Produces Love. He's, he writes this, Love is from God the way heat is from fire or the way light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It is woven into what he is. It is part of what it means to be God. The sun gives light because it is light, and fire gives heat because it is heat. So John's point is that in the new birth, this aspect of the divine nature becomes a part of who you are. The new birth is the imparting to you of divine life, and an indispensable part of that life is love. God's nature is love, and in the new birth, that nature becomes a part of who you are. When you are born again, God himself is imparted to you. He dwells in you and sheds abroad in your heart his love. And his aim is that this love be perfected in you. The love that you have as a born-again person is no mere imitation of the divine love. It is an experience of the divine love and an extension of that love for others. You see, when you and I are born again, what comes out is the nature of God. When God moves in, when the Holy Spirit begins to indwell you, when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit moves in, what comes out, what it looks like on the outside is you begin to grow in your love for other people because it is God's love, perfect love, replacing your imperfect and inadequate love. It is His life living out in you. It is a beautiful and glorious thing. Amen? Let's continue. So, uh, loving, uh, right? So evidence that we, that, we, that we are born again. It's evidence that we know God. And then he picks up in verses 9 and 10 and he says, love is seen in the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. I talked about this just a couple of weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but how do we know that God loves us? Well, there's a, there's a million ways. 
but the greatest and most perfect demonstration. Matter of fact, the, the word that John uses, uses here is the word manifest. His love is manifest among us. In, in other words, it's been revealed to us. God's love has been revealed that the, to the nth degree in, in this one act that He sent His Son for us. He sent His only Son for us. The, the unique being in all the universe who is both holy God and holy man. He, he sent the, the unique Son of God. He sent Him to, to earth for us to show us how to live. But He also... Um, um, laid his life down on the cross for us. Um, love is seen in the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and so here's what we have. We have some of these aspects of love that you and I need to pick up on. One is, the first one I want you to hear that, that we already talked about is that love originates from God. Let me t- put it another way. God initiated love for us. Real love, godly love is an initiating kind of a love. It's a love that says, I'll go first and I'll go first every time. I'll show you my love and you don't have to show me back. That's how Jesus went to the cross, wasn't it? Did Jesus go to the cross conditionally? Did Jesus go to the cross and say, I'm only going to the cross if so many people will put their faith in me? No, God sent him to the cross when there was no pledge for anyone to turn back to him, right? No one had pledged to say, oh, well, God, if you'll show me that kind of love, maybe I'll turn toward you. The Lord God showed initiating kind of love for us. The next thing is in this and that God sent his son In verse 9, in this is the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So, so the next thing is about not just initiating, but also it's that giving and sacrificing. Part of the characteristics of the love of God is initiating, but also a giving love. He shows a giving and a sacrificial love. He was willing to send his own son to the cross. He was willing to do that for you and me because he loves us. Amen? Let me, let me put it to you as simply as I can. I actually read this in, um, in a commentary. Sorry, I can't remember who wrote it. God sent his son that we might live and he might die. God sent his son that we might live and that he might die. This giving, self-sacrificing love of God is what you and I need to be receiving all the time and, and meditating on it and drink it again and said, yes, Lord, you have, you have loved me. Yes, Lord, you've loved me and to the nth degree by the sending of your Son. I, I understand the, 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 the links that you would go to to pursue me and not allow me to be separated from you forever. But you've reconciled me to yourself and you did it all because you're a loving and giving and self-sacrificing God. Amen. That's the kind of love that we have to, that we're called to show each other. But how are you going to show it if you've not received it? How are you going to show it if you're not receiving it? You can't. It's one thing to, to talk about love. It's quite another, isn't it, to do something about love. It's quite another to show something about love. And it says here, I love the words, God's love was manifest in this. He sent his only son. I love those words. Um, Romans 5.8 says it differently. But God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. God took the initiative. He loved us first. He stepped down and pursued us. He, he, was, he, loved, us, he loved us givingly. He loved us sacrificially. As you are going through the, your 31 days of pursuit, um, uh, 
journaling and, and whatnot. I, I, I want to I challenge you that, that part of that pursuit, you know, those pursuit challenges challenge you to take the initiative and plan something or do something or write a letter or plan a date or, or uh, you know, plan a game night or, or just pray for your spouse or to pray with your spouse. But it's, don't, don't miss this. It's to take the initiative and show your love. God has shown us His love. He has demonstrated it. Not just in words, not just in, you know, not just in, um, not just in emotion. He certainly has emotion for us. He certainly has a thoughts of love for us, but He's also done something about it. Amen? Husbands, wives, if we're going to love each other well, it can't just be, I feel something for you. It's got to be, I want to show you too. Huh? A, a godly love, a godly husband acts like he loves his wife. Amen? A godly wife acts like she loves her husband. Amen? May it be so in our marriages. The next thing he says, this, this idea about God giving his son in verse 10, he says this great word, so great in theological meaning. In this love, not only, I'm sorry, in this love, not that we have loved God, I'm sorry, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means an offering that turns away wrath. Propitiation is an offering that turns away wrath. You can think about the propitiating sacrifices of the Old Testament, right? That was a great example. Um, in the, but let me tell you, um, pagan cultures, ancient pagan cultures had this idea too. They believed in propitiation. They believe that if you that if you want to satisfy the wrath of God, that we people have to do something. We gotta we gotta take we gotta bring a sacrifice and we gotta offer it on the cross. Well, the New Testament knows nothing about that. The New Testament knows only this: is that not that you and I brought a sacrifice to make ourselves acceptable to God. It's that God provided the sacrifice on our behalf. This to to uh, to deal with his own justice, to deal with our sin. He provided, he did both sides, right? Paul says he's, a, he's both just and the justifier. He has justified us by, by taking of himself and sending his own son to be a propitiation, a, a, a sacrifice that, 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 um, that, that subdues the wrath of God. And so he's taken the things that we've been guilty for and he laid them on the shoulders of his son that you and I might experience freedom and forgiveness forever. Amen. Propitiation. God has provided the offering to turn his wrath away. Let me read this from Tim Keller. The gospel is that Jesus lived the life that you should have lived and died the death you should have died. I wish I'd have written that. That's really good. In, in your place, so God can receive you not for your record and sake, but for his record and sake. I love that. The gospel is that Jesus lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died. That's a pretty simple explanation of the gospel. Let's move on, though. I've got, to, I've got to keep us moving. So love originated with God. Love is seen in the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, and then third, love is perfected in us when we love others. Look with me in verses 11 and 12. Verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Right? If you've received this kind of love, you should show this kind of love. If God in His nature, in His Spirit, has moved into your life, then you should be able to, you should show the love of God. If you are born of God, if you know God, if you've experienced God's love in the sacrifice of His Son, very simply, love people. Love people. Love people like you've been loved. Love your spouse like you've been loved. Love your children. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy even as you've been loved. That's the calling of the gospel on the life of the believer. 
Not just to be a, we're not just reservoirs, right? We don't just keep receiving and receiving and receiving and receiving from God. The idea is that we would receive and we would be changed. And then the glory of God pours out from us. The love of God pours out from us like you and I are like a, become like an oak tree, right? Where, where, where people can rest under the branches of the love that God's produced in us. They can experience God's love in part, not perfectly. They can experience the, the love of God through us. God is changing. God is changing through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's changing the world. He's changing humankind. And He is do, doing it in one heart, in one person, in one soul at a time that the whole world might reflect His glory and His love. Amen? May it be so in your home, in your life. Verse 12, we already read this in the beginning, but no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. That idea of perfection oftentimes in the New Testament means completion. God's love is completed when we receive it and then we show it to other people. When we become like a conduit of His love. When his, his love has changed us. It's really, it's really a shocking statement. It, it says, we can't, no one has seen God. No one can see. God's, God's been veiled. You know, he was veiled in the tabernacle and he was veiled in the, in the temple. And he, we could say he was veiled in the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ that we couldn't, we, we know the nature and the character of God was in the Lord Jesus Christ, but his glory was veiled except for that time, of course, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, but the, his glory was, re, was, was veiled. So we can't see God, but we can see God through the lives of those who love other people well. Don't, don't you want to be that? Don't you want to grow in that? Don't you want to be the kind of person that loves other people well? Don't you want to be the kind of man that loves his wife well? I tell you, um, I've, I've heard this. I've, you know, I was, uh, I was just talking to, to Bill Banks. He just, just had to do a funeral. And uh, I tell you, the funerals are hard to go to and to do for someone who never found the Lord Jesus Christ, whose heart was never changed, who never really loved anyone well, whose life maybe is a, a mess of broken relationships because their love is, I mean, because their own hearts and their own lives are broken and they never found wholeness, they never found healing that happens through the Lord Jesus Christ. But oh, what a difference when you go to a funeral, right? When you hear about someone who loved so very well. I had a dream this morning. I woke up, actually I woke up crying this morning. It's been a rough day already, but I woke up this morning because I dreamed, I had a, a dream that I got to see Mary Whitten. Uh, and in my dream, Mary Whitten, a sweet saint of ours that passed a couple of, couple of years ago. I was thinking about her the other day. I think about her a lot. And in my dream, I, I saw her and, and uh, I, I had a baby in my hands and I, and I showed I showed, uh, forgive me for this little take, this little rabbit chase here. I showed Mary the baby and I asked the baby to say hello to her and someone said, oh Mary, you're losing weight. And it dawned on me, oh yeah, she's got cancer. And so I, 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 I talked to her a little bit. I said, Mary, how are you doing? And, and uh, she, you know how Mary was. She, she wouldn't put up with that. She didn't, she didn't want you to ask about her. She didn't want you to bother with her. She said, oh, I'm fine. You know, I'm going to be okay. And, uh, but she came back to me later and she said in my dream, but David, I'd like you to help me work on my funeral. And so I, I handled it really well at the moment, but then she laughed, and in my dream, I fell apart. It was ugly, blubbering cry, like um, slobber and tears both in my dream. And it woke me up about 6.45 this morning. I miss Mary, but I love Mary. Mary loved well. 
Let's continue. All right. <clears throat> Let's, here's the next slide, John Stott. The unseen God who was once re- revealed, that should say revealed, not reveled, revealed in his son is now revealed in his people when they love one another. Man, John Stott's a good writer too, isn't he? The next thing is in verses 13 and, and through 16, it says, is this, is that love is evident, the, the evidence that you have the Spirit. So when you love each other well, when you love people well, when you're growing in love for people, when, you're, when you're, or your heart's been transformed and you begin to love less selfishly as you did before, then you, we know that you've been born again. You, people can tell that you know God. And the third thing, and we can tell that the Spirit is alive in you. Amen. Verses 13, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That spirit is abiding in you and he is changing you and he's putting more of the nature of God into your broken nature and changing you. His Holy Spirit indwells believers and will produce love for other people. The next thing, verses 17 and 18, as I sprint to the finish, forgive me. Verse 17 and 18 is the summary is this, is that love gives us confidence even in the judgment so listen to this. These are important words. Um, verse, um, verse 17, By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also we are in this world. I wish I had more time. There is no fear in love, but perfect, fear casts, perfect love casts out fear. Listen, here's the deal. Here's what he's saying. God has initiated love for you. He's demonstrated his love for you. He pursued you when you were far away from him and frankly didn't care about what God did for you or was for you or wanted for you. He pursued you. He demonstrated his love through his son is the, in, the, in, the most, um, in the most powerful demonstration of love that humankind has ever known. The innocent man laying down his life for the guilty, right? In the most perfect demonstration of love the world has ever known. And so then he comes back to say, why then would you fear the judgment? God has already pledged his love for you. If you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when the day of judgment comes, you and I will be standing in the, in the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll have no fear on that day. But what's coming for you and I that day is well done, good and faithful servant, by the grace of God. Amen. Not judgment. We, won't, we, we fear no judgment. There is, you know, Paul writes in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore no condemnation, condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Lastly, love reflects God's character. Why do you and I love? Why does the gospel, why does Jesus say, a new command I give to you, love one another? Why? Because it reflects the glory and the character of God. It takes someone who is broken and lost and far from God and it changes them, it transforms them to, to the, for the life of God to live out from them. When the, when the Holy Spirit moves in, uh, the nature of God comes out. Amen? May it be so in our lives. May we be changed forever. Amen? That's what he says. We love because he first loved us. I'm sorry, I need to back up. Uh, I need to back up to, uh, no, that's it. We love because he first loved us. That's where I'm stopping, isn't it? I forgot. We love because he first loved us. Why do we love? Is God has already shown me an incredible, abounding love. He's shown, a, he's shown you and I such a profound love that it's going to take all the rest of this life and all into glory for us to understand it, for us to comprehend how deep his love is for us. Amen. I want to close. So what do we do with this? 
the, my fear is in preaching this, I'll be frank, my fear is in preaching this is that this is so huge, there is no way for you to apply this in your life. Well, listen, if we can't apply this in our lives, then the gospel has no power. Thankfully, the gospel has power. The gospel has greater power than, than the brokenness in your life. The gospel has greater power than your inadequate and incomplete and often selfish love in your life. The gospel is greater. The power of the Spirit within you, the nature of God, live down in you amongst your spirit has the power to change the coldest heart. Amen? Amen. I want to I give you these two thoughts to, for application as we close. God took the initiative in showing you love. Now it's time for you to take the initiative to love others. Husbands, take the initiative to love your wife well. Do for her what would be meaningful to her. Wives, take the initiative to love your wife well. Don't wait for them. I, I tell you, in marriage, this is often what happens is we get really selfish about our marriage and we say, well, I'm going to love you after you've loved me well. Listen, it's a trap. It's a setup. It will never work because no one will ever love you perfectly in this life except for our Heavenly Father. No one else. Everyone else has went around and our love is broken. God help us by His Holy Spirit. It is growing and it is expanding and we're becoming less selfish with our love. But you, you let God work on your spouse. You've got to work on you. Amen? Let the love of God grow in you. you. You take the love of God and you act like God has done. You show initiative to your spouse. Don't wait. Don't hold back. You just do what God has called you to do. And you trust him with your spouse. Amen? It goes for others too, doesn't it? It goes for your neighbors. It goes for lost. It goes for someone who's in your classes or someone who's at your work who's struggling. Take the initiative to show them love. Don't hold back. Don't wait. Do it. God has shown you that kind of love. Do that for someone else. In this, God's love is perfected in you. The last thing. God has shown, shown us a giving and sacrificial love you need to spend some time experiencing it, receiving it, thinking about it, letting, you know, being honest with God about how, how unfaithful you are sometimes, about how, um, how inconsistent you are in your love for Him. You just got to lay it all out there before Him and then just let Him say back to you, but I love you unconditionally. But, but, but I've demonstrated my love for you already. I, I've, I've forgiven that sin. I've forgiven when your heart grows t cold towards me. I, I've, the, Jesus carried that sin to the cross too. And so I forgive that. Now let's just, let's just you and I, let's just you and I, let's just grow together. Let's you and I ha work on this relationship together. Let's you and I grow in intimacy together. Let, 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 why don't you experience more of my love for you because it's going to change your life. Amen. So those two things. Show that initiating love to somebody else this week. The second thing is, but don't forget where you get filled up. You've got to go to God. You've got you to lay out all the reasons why He can't possibly love you, why all the reasons why you're so broken He can't possibly love you enough. His love can't possibly overcome all the bad things and how inconsistent and inconsiderate and cold your heart's become for Him and just let Him say, I've dealt with that. I, I paid for that. Now, come on, come, come back to me. Let him pour his love into you and let you, you experience in a way so that other people can experience his love through you. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray for these things. I pray that you would help us to grow in your love. You're the initiator of love. You're the originator of love. It is uh, love started in the world because it was in your nature before the world existed. 
And when you created the world, you went public with your glory, but you also went public with your love for us. Father, we thank you for your example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the greatest demonstration of love we've ever known. The one who, who loved his friends so much that though he was innocent, he laid his life down for us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow in our love for you. I pray that you would help us to to understand and to comprehend better your love for us because, Lord, I want these people transformed by you. I want to be transformed by you. I want to show an initiating, unconditional kind of love for my wife and for my family and for my friends, but even more for this lost and broken world, for the people around us who are struggling and need to know your love. I pray this week you would help us to show an initiating kind of love to others. It's in Jesus' great name we pray, amen.